If you'll open up in your Bible to John the fourth chapter, I'm going to share uh, something here briefly from the Bible uh, that I believe will be a help to you. Uh, People do need help. That's the truth. Even people who don't think they need help, need help. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to come to the place you recognize, I do need something. Uh, You know, in my own experience, uh, you know, as I lived and did my own thing and kind of partied and a lot and did a lot of things, made real good money back in the day, had a good job. And I used to think, well, if I get here and get this, then my life is going to be fulfilled. Everything's going to be great. And uh, the more I went, the, the things I, you know, needed to check off my list were checked off, you know, and I didn't have what I was looking for. And uh, I think in people's lives, I think the world needs to know this because many times people think if I had more money or if I had better friends, don't we all want better friends? No, I'm kidding. Uh, if we had somebody's like, I thought I was your friend. And, um, but whatever it is, you know, people think if I can get this, then I'll be satisfied. Life will be good. But there is something you can't get unless you get it spiritually. And, and that's why there's so much religion in the world is because there is an element where people do recognize that there's a spiritual void and they think, well, if I can just search it out, I'll, I'll get fulfilled and, and I'll have it and then the answer will be there. Uh, but sorry to say there is a truth in that, but you can't get it in just any way. It is a very specific way that you can get fulfilled, that you can be satisfied, whether you've got tons of money or little amounts of money, whether you've got good friends or not, you can become fulfilled in a way that is amazing. And so here in John, the fourth chapter, I'm going to begin reading Uh, in the fourth verse, and it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now this is Jesus, he's traveling along. He had his disciples with him. Verse five says, so he came near to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, uh, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied, from his journey, sat there by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now, this is like a community well. This is a well that is very uh, well known. Not to, I was, I wasn't a planned joke. That's why it wasn't too funny. But this was a well-known well. And, uh, and the way it was known was uh, the Jewish people, we know them as a nation, the nation of Israel. Uh, this was one of the founders, so to speak. This is where the descendants came from. And he gave a well to all the people so that all the people could partake from it. And wells were huge. They were life back then. Without a well, you know, you were, you were done for. Without a water source, you were done for. And back then, they, that area was barren, and they needed water. I mean, I've always thought that about Arizona. Who in the world first came here and thought this was a good idea? 
Has anybody ever thought that? I mean, I'm a transplant, so I'm not here. But if you drive around, there's canal systems. Those canal systems were built by Indians years, hundreds and hundreds, long before, and they realized water is huge for life, right? I mean, the Salt River here, you know, we, we enjoy that when it gets hot. Go get in a tube and go down the Salt River. But really, the Salt River is not just for you to go tube and litter. It, if, if you've ever been there, it's, I think that's what people think it is. Go and litter and float. And so, but it's actually irrigation. And the reason why the water level goes up during the summer, which would, you would think isn't how it's supposed to be. Because anywhere else, you know, where waters run naturally, the water goes down in the summer and goes up in the winter. But here it goes the opposite because they use it to irrigate or bring life to the valley. Because this valley, and that's why, you know, there's always fights about water. I grew up in Southern California, and California would not be always on friendly terms in this sense. We want all the water we can get out of the Colorado River. But Arizona has a right to some of that. Now I'm totally for that. <laughs> and, uh, but it brings life to a desert. And it brings life. And without water, there's no life. And so here Jesus is going to this well-known place. And he's sitting there. And actually, he, he had been traveling with his disciples. But they went into town to get something to eat, uh, to bring back some food. And Jesus is resting there. And he's sitting there after this journey. And verse 7 says, And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Give me some too. And this is what's so wild is verse 8 says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Amazing. You've got this woman here and... Jesus is there and he said, hey, give, give me a drink of this water out of this well. And this well is for all the people. And it's really a picture of, you know, here is the patriarch and I'm going to supply water and I've dug this well. And it's going to not only uh, bless you and keep all of you guys alive, but it'll affect your livestock. It'll affect your own prosperity. Because, you know, livestock is, is like a bank account back then. You know, I mean, it, and all the different things, whether it was growing crops. I mean, this was a source of prosperity. Jesus had a right to this. A Samaritan is actually outside of the promise. And he said, uh, give me a drink of water. You know, she said, you, you, you have no dealings with us. Jews do not. And verse 7 or 10 says this, Jesus answered and said to her, and it's always interesting to see how Jesus answers people. Because he seems to be able to when he was here, and he does this. It's amazing how often you hear people when they come to church, they'll say, it was like what I needed to hear right then. And that's what Jesus did this day. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew, 
And there's a lot of people who don't know or don't realize the gift of God, that there is a gift from God, that there's a gift for people. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. In other words, basically, he just basically said, you know, I'm asking you for water. If you knew who I really was, he, we would have said it like this today. You would have flipped the table and turned and said, hey, you give me water. But it's interesting, Jesus spoke on total different terms. She knew that this well was to bring natural life to all these covenant people and these promised people. And he turns the table and said, I can give you living water. Not this water, living water. So there is such thing as a natural water and then some kind of spiritual water. And uh, the woman said in the next verse, verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? In other words, this affected him. It affected the, uh, the, his lineage. It affected our livestock. And I mean, this to us may think, we may think, well, this is a dumb question. To say, are you greater than Jacob? But she didn't know who he was. And he said, I have a gift, and I have living water, and she's coming for natural water and thinking, you know, because sometimes people look at church, too, as totally natural. Like, I'll just come because it's Easter. That's what you do, or at least that's what people used to do. You know what I mean? And they think, well, I'll go, and they don't realize they may think, well, I'm going to go do something natural, like this woman was doing something natural. But there was a confrontation. It wasn't a violent one. It wasn't being mean. But Jesus realized she was thirsty for natural water, but he also recognized there was something lacking that she needed. And so he said, I can give you living water. And she said, well, are you greater than Jacob? Because they all knew. All the blessing came through him. All this water that would help the people be blessed came through him. And she asked a legitimate question, are you greater? Because he said, I'm a gift that can give living water. Verse 13, Jesus responded and answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. That goes without saying. If you drink from a drinking fountain or anything throughout your life, you will thirst again. I mean, it's a fact. But notice he said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give. Now this is the big thing that separates all other religions, ideas of thought from Jesus. He's the only one that's got this living water. You know? I mean, 
I don't know about you, but do you have something you like to drink? I like root beer. I don't drink it a lot. But there are certain ones I think, don't waste your money on that. Because you know. But how do you identify it? You identify it by the label that different ones give different things. This is way beyond natural water. And there's no way to know what this is. You know, I've tried to, over the years, tell people about this living water. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was probably over-the-top fanatical, you know. I thought when the Bible said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody, I interpreted it like this, go into all the world and just shove it down everybody's throat because they need it. And so I would do that. And as I grew a little bit in the Lord, I got a little wiser. And some of my friends still endured me and, you know, stuck with me. And I would tell them about the Lord. And I could tell there were some that were realizing they had good lives, so to speak, but they were missing out on something. And so this one friend of mine, he, he, I could tell he was hungry and he was looking for something more in his life. And I thought, well, he'll pray, he'll receive the Lord, and he didn't do it. Well, all right, you know, whatever. I wasn't giving up on him, but I thought, well, okay, I'll get to talk to him again. Weeks had gone by. One day he calls me, he's trying to get a hold of me, and I'm not available. And I mean, he is just like, we need to talk. And I'm thinking, what's, what's up? He's never like this. And he tells me, he said, I, last night I was at home. He didn't end up going out, and and he said I was at home. I just turned on the TV, and there was some Christian thing on there, and this Christian pre preacher. I don't. I, he, he said I don't even know what he was talking about. Hopefully, you understand what I'm talking about. I went to church. I don't know what in the world he was talking about. Something about water, something like that. And so this guy said that the preacher just said, I don't know where you're at, but just if you want to receive the Lord, just come near the TV. So he went, all right. And, and uh, he said, kneel down and pray with me. So he knelt in front of the TV, thought, okay. He had already heard about it, but there's no way to describe living water. How can you describe something to somebody if they've never had it? Jesus tried to use natural water to show how that if you're real thirsty, uh, it will quench a thirst. Uh, it, can, it can affect you in ways that are tremendous. We know that here, you know, with dehydration. People tell you if you have heart palpitations, if you have muscle spasms, some of that are, are just signs of dehydration, skin things, different things, just because of a lack of natural water, headaches just because of natural water. And so we realize just by getting natural water, what it can do for you, Jesus is trying to give a parallel. And with that guy, I was trying to tell him what he could really get. And he was like, yeah, 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 right. Appreciate that. And, uh, but how do you describe something that, that you have to experience for yourself? And that's why when somebody comes to know the Lord, people go, whoa, what happened to you? It's because you experienced something that's beyond. And so this guy knelt there, 
And by the way, he's normal. He's not weird. Because you think, oh yeah, that guy is probably some weirdo. No, he was what would be considered, if you looked in the dictionary, his picture's in there under normal. And so he is just a normal person. And he prayed, he bowed down his head and he kneeled right there in front of the TV and prayed with the guy and he needed to talk to me. And he's trying to talk to everybody. I was like, I know exactly what's going on after he told me. He said, I prayed, and he's like, this is no joke. And he's trying to tell me like I didn't believe. Well, I did believe. He's all, it was like I prayed and something came in me. He's all, no, seriously, something came in me. And I'm like, yeah, I believe you. He's all, no. <laughs> you know, because he didn't know it. You can't, you can't know until you do it. And he's like, no, no. Something came in me and something is different. He said, it's like almost Jesus came in me. I'm like, yeah, I get it. No, no. Like, he's like, no. Anybody ever done that before? You try to explain something to somebody and they've really experienced it, but like, you're like, no. You know, you went on a roller coaster. They just went on it. No, it's this big dip. And they're like, yeah, I was just there. No. Well, for me, I've been there. I've received the Lord. And this isn't about religion. It's about living water. And so his whole life changed. I mean, there was a dramatic change. And it was similar, you know, to my experience. And how do you describe this? And here Jesus is trying to describe to this lady uh, you can get living water, and it's not natural water, and you don't draw with a natural cup. And so he said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but the water that I will give him will become in him. That's what happened to my friend. He said, something went in me, something changed. He said, I shall give him this living water, and he said it will come in him, and it will be a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So it's some kind of spiritual life, actually, that comes in to a person that Jesus was describing here. And he said it's what natural water is. This is spiritual water, and it will change a person. And here's the thing. You can be thirsty for spiritual water all your life and do all kinds of religious things and you'll never get it. Meaning, you can go to church, you, you can, you know, serve people, uh, you can do all those things. There's only one way to get it and it's like Jesus said. It's about receiving a gift. And so, uh, verse 15 said, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. She's getting a little confused. This is great. I would like this. Now I don't have to do any of the natural work ever again. I'm never going to have to drink. But he was saying, no, you're going to still have to come back and uh, get natural water to feed your livestock and, or to cause them to drink. But he said, this is spiritual. He said, the woman said to him, sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. 
and have him, you know, come too. Let me make this statement. Wouldn't it seem real odd if you went to a restaurant and they gave you a menu and you found out what was on the menu and there was something, hey, I've heard this is real good, but you left the restaurant without eating. Wouldn't that seem weird? To about half of us, that would be weird. I'm thinking if I go to a restaurant, I want to eat something. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, I'm presenting you with something, and, and you're going to have to partake of it. And, but he said, hey, go get your husband. And, and uh, verse 16, go, go get your husband. Verse 17, the woman answered and said to him, said, I have no husband. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, go get your husband. We're all going to, you know, I'll help you and your whole family. Just go get him and have him come. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said well, or that's true. That you have no husband. For you have had uh, five husbands. Oh, what a religious encounter. (laughs) And he's getting this from God. God's like telling on him, this lady. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She could have just gone and got the guy she was with. Oh, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five, though. And then he said, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you are now now with have, or, you know, the guy you're with, we'd say it like this, the one you're living with, He's not your husband. In that, you spoke the truth. Ah. Uh, well, great. You know, you're having an encounter with God. You're not sure. You've been promised eternal life. And he just says, you've been doing all this. And you know what's so wild to me about this whole thing? Uh, that Jesus didn't condemn her. And they knew, they knew, all the children of Israel knew, uh, you, you, first of all, you're not to be just sleeping with somebody. You're not to just be marrying and divorcing and doing that. But what's wild is, Jesus didn't condemn her. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You ever been around people? Maybe you've done this. I've done this before. It's just all seemingly natural life. And then somebody uh, makes some kind of comment that kind of triggers some kind of religious something. And all of a sudden you become a religious great. Oh, let me talk to you about religion. Isn't that true? And a lot of those things happen secretly with people. You know, it's, a lot of times it is a one-on-one. You're talking to somebody about something and religion comes up and all of a sudden, because most people do have thoughts, ideas about religious things. I mean, most people do. I remember when I lived in the world before I knew the Lord and had given my life to Him, you know, we, we just did all the things that we did, but then somebody brings something up, and there might be four or five of us, and there's just one or two of us, and all of a sudden, we're talking about the Lord or about religion. And that's kind of what happened this day. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet, or you speak words that are inspired by God. 
Because nobody knew this. You know, Jesus didn't know it. Verse 20, so all of a sudden, she becomes real religious. You know, I've gone to talk to people about receiving the Lord, and they're like, you know, and they're like, yeah, I need to do that. When do you think the end is going to come? Do you know who the Antichrist is? You know, they start asking all kinds of spiritual questions. And so this woman just flips and all of a sudden said, um, you know, maybe she was diverting because she didn't want to talk about the five husbands and the man she's with. Let's get on to another subject. She said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So basically what has come about now is a discussion with Jesus. What is the right way to serve God? What is the right way to live for God? These people say this, and these people say this, and, and Jesus answered, and Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. So Jesus is basically saying, something is about to change for worship. Meaning concerning how the Jews are going to serve God and worship and know Him, the Samaritans, and really anybody in the earth. He said, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Because she's like, you guys do it here, and, and, and we do it here, and which is the right way. And, and there's a lot to that. Different people argue, what is the right way? Jesus basically said, there is coming quickly, back then, a change so it's not going to matter who says, do you worship here? Do you worship here? Or is this the right way? Or is that the right way? Or do you go here to a, a pilgrimage, you know, and, and worship this way? He said, it's all changing. And he said, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship or serve God the Father. You worship what you do not know. Boy, wouldn't that have been nice to get to talk to the Lord that day? And you're like trying to come across like I know something. And he's like, you don't even know what you're worshiping. Thank you. Appreciate that. But you know what? Honesty is a good road forward. Dishonesty and trying to placate, though it may seem like, you know, I bet the Lord didn't want to hurt her feelings make her feel bad because he could have surely said you didn't keep the law with this and you're with this man but we know that often he ran into people who were not living right and people would come to condemn the person who wasn't living right and jesus uh, would tell people well if you're perfect then go ahead and kill him and stone him and then the people would back down and then he would talk to the one accused and say well, where are the people who have been accusing you for living wrong? And said, there are none. They all, they all left. Because nobody's perfect. Though people who accuse sometimes think they are. Until you really, the rubber hits the road. And so what happened was she, that other person that Jesus met said, well, if nobody else condemns you, he said, I don't either. That's good news. 
And that person was actually not only committing adultery, having sex outside of marriage, these people snuck in and caught her in the very act. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, under the covenant, uh, you could be stoned to death for that. And he said, well, I don't condemn you. That's good news for anybody. Anybody. I don't condemn you. He just said, go and don't do it anymore. Wow. You know, I was speeding. I was going 100 miles an hour. And the policeman said, that's okay. I'll let you go. Just go and don't speed anymore. You know, I remember one time I literally got pulled over and I was going fast. I was going in the three digits and not the decimal point over. And I remember the policeman was on the freeway going one way and I was going the other. And he said, you, I knew you were going fast because the car you were next to looked like you, they were a light post, like they were stopped. And it took me a while to catch you. And he said, do you know how fast you're going? And I thought with my lightning fast mind, this is years ago, don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> 150 miles an hour. He's like, well, I got yet 120. <laughs> I mean, 120. <laughs> no, I said, well, I don't know exactly because I didn't know when he was behind me, you know, because that could have changed. I said, I'm not sure exactly, but I was going fast. You know, it just kind of covers it. And he said, and, but here's what had happened. I literally, when I got pulled over, now you may not believe in the power of prayer. You could do what you want to. But I, when I got pulled over, I said, Lord, I deserve judgment right now. There is no doubt about it. I was doing wrong. Have mercy. Move on this policeman. And so he's there and he's got my information. And as soon as I handed it to him, he just stared at it and just started moving my license like this. I still remember. He just stared at it. And I thought, because, you know, you get going that fast, they give you a ride somewhere. <laughs> and they park your car for free. And, and I was like, and he just stood there and just kept doing this with my license and didn't say anything. And, you know, you don't want to be pushy in a time like this. <laughs> and he said... He said, well, he said, I got you at a, uh, something, and a hundred and something, and I'm not, and I said, oh, I wasn't arguing. I was like, wow, that was slower than I thought. He must have got me uh, later, and um he said, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to just let you, know, you go. He said, I know your speed can get away from you. I'm thinking, yeah, I can get away from you. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, but I'm going to let you go. But he said, don't speed anymore. I, I, so I said, because you've got to be honest, I said, I won't speed anymore tonight. Because I couldn't promise him for the rest of my life. So I literally drove the rest of the way home, and I'm like, whoop, don't go over the speed limit. And I was like, so thankful for mercy. Amen. And this woman, he just said, listen, I'll be merciful and go and sin no more. Just don't do it anymore. 
And, and the Lord is super merciful. But here we got another woman who's in a situation. We don't find the Lord condemning, but we do find the Lord wanting to help her. And notice this. He said, uh, verse 23, but the hour is coming. He's, this is the second time he said that same statement. But the hour is coming. In other words, you don't know what you're, pre you're, you're uh, preaching about. You, know, you don't know what you're talking about. Your religion is wrong. Boy, that would be nice to hear, right? But you know what's cool is the Lord wasn't saying it just to hurt her. He was saying it because he knew he had something to give her. And if she would accept it, her life would be revolutionized. And so he, he said to her, the hour is coming and now is that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in him, spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah, or the Savior, is coming, who is the Christ. He, when he comes, he will tell us all things. In other words, he'll know even the secrets of our heart. She's starting to think, this guy is the guy. I need to give up what I've been doing and go for him, because I recognize he's the one. And so Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. In other words, she said, the Christ is going to tell you the secrets of your heart. God's going to deal with you this way. I believe you're the one. And he said, I'm the one. I mean, that was all she needed. And at this point, it said her, his disciples came. But if you read on, she went back to the city. She went and got the guy she had been sleeping with and living with. Got, and, and what's so cool is, is she didn't feel threatened that, oh my, if we go back there, uh, we're all dead meat. Go find my five ex-husbands, go find the guy. She was like, I can go bring them all back there and he's going he's gonna to help them. And he literally, uh, she literally went back and got the whole city. Why? Because she had just had an encounter with something that was living. Whenever anybody really has an encounter with the Lord, they know the reality. She came to a reality that day, that there is living water, that you can partake of it, and uh, anybody who wills can. What's interesting, even the disciples had religious ideas. They couldn't believe Jesus was talking to somebody who, who was a Samaritan. Because they knew they're not part of the covenant. They're not part of the promise. And the disciples are kind of like, what in the world is he doing? Could you imagine if they had known the whole story? But God had been moving so strong in the words he was saying, it compelled her to change. And compelled her to tell others. And she goes into the city, tells all the men, and it's interesting, it says the men. I guess they knew her somehow. There's probably a lot that could be said right there. Probably a lot that shouldn't be said right there. But she literally knew them and went in and said, hey, I found a guy who told me everything that I've ever done. Well, they knew what she had been doing. 
they're probably like, let's go check it out. And they go out there and they all receive. What's interesting is those phrases, the hour is coming, the hour is coming, the hour is coming. And what's so interesting about the hour coming that we see is really the day we're talking about today, what people call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. The day that Jesus rose from the dead. And he is alive. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, when the disciples went there, an angel said, you know, or some of the disciples went, and an angel was there at the grave, and they... Some people looked in and they said this. This angel said to him, he said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? But that's where Jesus had been. Because he is alive now. Though you may not see him, he is alive. But what's interesting to me is you can maybe not see him and maybe don't or maybe haven't. But he can be experienced beyond when he said, I'll give you living water, he was basically saying, I'll give you something that will change your life, like water will feed you and keep you alive, and water will affect your cattle. He said, I'll give you living water that will change and revolutionize your whole life. Just like natural water will, this spiritual water will. And so, but how, how do you get that living water? It really is probably one of the most simple things, and we're going to close with this, is how do you get living water that Jesus offered and only comes from him? Somebody said, well, I like this other religion, or I like this other religion. Okay, but I do know if you'll go down this path, you'll get this living water, and you can only get it from him. And he basically made it super simple and made it not according to your good works. Because see, when I gave my life to the Lord, I had heard about this, and I knew that God was drawing me to give my life to Him. But I was like, I'm not good enough for it. If I'd only read the story about the woman caught in adultery, I would have probably felt a lot better about approaching Him. And Him saying, I don't condemn you. And so, uh, with getting this, it, the Bible's plain. It's not according to your good works. In other words, you don't have to get good enough to get what he gives. You can't earn it. But most religious ideas are you have to earn things. Jesus said it's a free gift. It's a free gift. Well, if it's a free gift, does everybody automatically get it? No. You know, how many of us have ever gotten one of those things in the mail for a free gift if you go down here and we looked at it and scoffed? You know what I mean? Anybody ever done that? You know, and then you're like, sure, somebody's going to get a free card and you throw it away. Then the next time you get it, they show some lady's face who got the free card. And you're like, serious? Somebody did get a free card. You know, I, I think about that, how you can sign up and pay a certain amount of money and get tickets, you know, to win this supercar with all this extra cash. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I, I should do that. And then you think, come on, does anybody really win? 
Who is that person? That's why testimonies are huge. That's why we read things that the Lord has done so you can go, it's not just written here, it happens here. And, uh, but then you look at the person and go, somebody did win. But I found this, that you can't earn this. It can't be explained, but there are people who do get it. There are others who will go, nah, I don't want it. But the only way that you'll ever be fulfilled in life is to receive the free gift. And it is a free gift, but you can't physically receive it. Are you with me? You can't physically receive eternal life. Somebody said, well, if you can't do that and you can't work for it, and you can't be good enough for it, how in the world do you get it? It's a faith proposition. But, it's, but faith is simple, but it's like this. The Bible tells you you have to believe in your heart. Somebody said, I believe. But he said you have to believe in your heart. In the core, Jesus died and rose again. Somebody said, well, I believe that. Not be baptized, believe in your heart. But then he said you must receive him as your Savior with your mouth. When you do that with your mouth and with your heart, he said you will be saved. You know, it's similar to somebody getting married. You ever go to a, a wedding ceremony and they say, I receive you, I, I receive you, I take you. And those words, you know, are to be filled with love and honesty. And really, that is a covenant that is established. This is a spiritual one. This is exactly what happened to my friend that day when he bowed his knee. He did it. He believed in his heart, and he said, Lord, come live in me. The minute he did that, he's like, oh, my, something happened.